the holiday season is approaching and fast. While this year has been a giant dumpster fire, some of us can say we've definitely spent more time in the kitchen, hopefully perfecting our favorite recipes or chopping skills, or maybe you're cooking for the first time. Either way, we all could use the best tools in the kitchen. That's where Brooklyn Butcher Blocks has you covered. Brooklyn Butcher Blocks creates beautiful, one-of-a-kind, handcrafted cutting boards made of maple, walnut, and cherry. Featured in GQ, Esquire, The New York Times, The Skin, and so much more, a Brooklyn Butcher Blocks cutting board is the perfect gift this holiday season. Seriously, these boards are incredible and beautifully made. Head to www.brooklynbutcherblocks.com and use the code GROWINGWOMAN for 20% off of your next purchase. Again, use the code GROWINGWOMAN, all one word, lowercase, for 20% off of your next purchase. Order your board by December 15th, right in time for the holidays. This holiday season, support a small local business and cook your favorite meals in style. Now, onto the show. Hi everyone, Christina here, and I am so excited for uh, this week's episode of Growing Woman, and I'm so excited to be back. I know I've been away for a bit, and that's because I had a baby during a pandemic, which is wild. My son Liam was born on September 10th, almost 10 weeks ago. He is the light of my life and my husband's life. It has been a crazy time and a crazy transition. And I am so excited to be back releasing episodes of the show and sharing more stories from some incredible women. Um, Just so you know, a lot of these interviews were recorded before I gave birth. So if I talk about pregnancy or if we're talking about early stages of quarantine, anything like that, that's why. Uh, So I just did want to offer that disclaimer. And along with these interviews, I'll be recording some solo episodes about my pregnancy experience and life with a newborn during COVID because it is no joke, as so many moms out there know, it is no joke right now having a newborn, being pregnant, giving birth during this pandemic. Um, So please wear your mask and social distance. And for now, if you want to follow along with my journey, you can follow me on Instagram at growingwomanpod. Um, So head over to Instagram and follow me there. But on today's show, I chat with Elise Quinn. She is the co-founder and partnership director of Big Vision, uh, which is one of Orlando's leading creative agencies. Big Vision is an award-winning brand solutions company with over 23 Addy Awards for their brand, web, and video work. And they took home the 2019 Best of Show online for their website designed for the Omni Fight Club. Uh, Big Vision works with local, national, and international brands uh, and was recently recognized by Orlando Business Journal for the Best Places to Work Award and nominated as one of Grow FL's Florida companies to watch. Elise herself was recently recognized as Orlando Business Journal's uh, 40 Under 40, and she ha- uh, was recognized for the Women Who Mean Business Award and also by I4 Business Magazine for the Emerging Leader Award. So this uh, woman is no joke, she is amazing. And if she wasn't doing enough already, she's also the co-founder of The Balcony Orlando, a rooftop venue in downtown Orlando. I cannot wait for you to hear more about Elisa's story. So let's not waste any more time, let's dive into the show.
Welcome to another episode of the Growing Women podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and I am just so thrilled to be back here for another week with you all. Um, our dear listeners, by the time this comes out, um, we will have crossed a milestone of a thousand listens, which is not huge for some people, but huge for me and huge for the community that we're building here. And I just cannot thank you enough for all of your support. And my wonderful mom was just like, you're going to be there at 10,000 and it's just going to be the greatest thing ever. And so I, I just want to say thank you so much for being here, for listening, for offering your time um, and for meeting another wonderful woman and getting to hear her story. Um, today, I'm excited to introduce you to Elise Quinn. And I met Elise through Nina Guilford, fan favorite on this show. Um, and Elise is the co-founder and partnership director of Big Vision. Elise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So I, good to be here, Christina. You've done a great job with this podcast. Thank you so much. Um, you are sitting in your office right now. And um, just through reading your bio... I just, and through talking to you, I know you mean business and you are, I can just already get the impression because we don't know each other very well, but I can get the impression that you are a very business minded and focused person. And I'd love to dive deeper into who you are and where you're from. So first of all, where are you from and how did you end up in Orlando? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm from New Orleans originally, um, a really small swampy town right outside of New Orleans. If you can imagine swamp people to show, those are my people. <laughs> very Cajun, uh, very Southern. Um, and I didn't have a lot of uh, business opportunity there. My dad was fortunately an op entrepreneur, but I didn't have a lot of exposure to business. Um, it was mainly small business owners around the area um, and a couple just large companies that were the main employers, but didn't offer a lot of opportunity to connect with the youth from an entrepreneurial free enterprise perspective. So uh, I left at 18 and went to Mobile, Alabama, got my undergrad there, went on to get my grad degree uh, in Central Virginia. So I went to Spring Hill for undergrad and I went to uh, Lynchburg University for grad school and got my master's in business. So I got my foundation in communications undergrad and then really went for the MBA because I knew that's where I would gain the skills that I needed to start my own business one day. Yeah. You mentioned your dad was an entrepreneur and is an entrepreneur. So what was his entrepreneur uh, endeavor and what did that look like and how did that have an impact on you? Yeah. He actually owned nightclubs. Uh, for 20 years. Wow. Not something that as a kid you're able to actually interact with, but <laughs> I remember he'd teach me how to count money and how to deposit money and uh, how to write a check and um, all the, the high level things that helped to make the business go around, even though I couldn't be there during its daily operations or nightly operations. Um, but I did learn a lot from him. He was always very savvy. He was always very responsible, um, took ownership of everything that was going on with his business. And he was always looking for opportunities to partner and to scale. Um, so I learned a lot from him, from branding, reputation management, um, because he had a lot of stakeholders across the entire community that he had to keep happy. People on the political side to your general community and what the reputation was in the neighborhood for his business. So yeah. he tried to do it with high integrity and I've always admired that about him. So 
is, do you think that's where you got that spark to want to go into business from your father or was that from something else? That was built in me since a young age. I've always been a self-starter, always had the desire to grow and scale my own companies. And so I would dream about that since I was a little girl. I read Entrepreneurs for Dummies at like the age of nine, highlighting in the margins. So for me, this was always my my dream and my goal. So I started my first Mary Kay business when I was 18, just the very first chance I could get to actually start something that I could consider my own and grow it and scale it. And then I've, I'm in my third business right now. So um, yeah. When you started that first Mary Kay business and you're highlighting those books when you're little and you're, you know, this is like something you really love. I love that you also continued to embrace that desire within yourself. How did that feel when you first started and what were some early lessons that you were learning when you first started diving into this kind of entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, I think you start, I remember driving down the road and looking at all the small businesses along my route and thinking, I want to know them. I wonder why did the business owner started this business? Was it to meet a demand? Was it because they were passionate about what they did? Um, what makes them continue to sustain that business? What does it feel like to, to be able to create jobs where there were none before and to be able to employ people and provide a livelihood for others? Dreaming about how can you create the best product possible and how can you market that product to all the right people who have a need for what you do and how do you serve them? All those things fascinated me, just the yeah. world of sales and marketing and communications and just the principles of business that make it all go round. Finances scared the crap out of me since I was little. I hated money. I hated math. I hated numbers. Um, but I have learned very quickly through business, especially as a woman, um, that's not always our strong suit, but that we have to take ownership and responsibility of understanding finance in order to sustain any business that we decide to create. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned early on and that I had to force myself out of my comfort zone to go for that MBA and to really take the accounting and the statistics courses and the finance courses in order to understand what is a P&L, your profit and losses, you know, what's a balance sheet? How do you actually track the work that you're doing and how do you use everything to turn it into a numbers game? Because at the end of the day, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, it all comes down to the numbers. It comes down to money coming into the business and the money that's flowing out has to be less than the money that's coming in and <laughs> yeah. how can you get the highest profit and the highest margin. And so those things used to be words that scared me. And now I've learned to embrace them because there's nothing good or bad about them. They are, right. it's only the value that you assign to them. And so we just can't be scared of them. We just have to embrace them as our friends. <laughs> I love that. Embrace your friends. And I think that, you know, I've interviewed people who love the finance side and I've interviewed women who hate it. And I've interviewed people who are very people person oriented, who are, can, you know, strike up a conversation with anyone and, and people who don't want to talk to anyone in their business. <laughs> and I really love that lesson that you decided to jump head first into your MBA and and have to, you know, learn to have to embrace those things in order to get what you needed. What was your MBA program like? And you spoke of some discomfort in certain areas, but what was that like for you going into an MBA program? Yeah, I would, I would recommend an MBA for anybody who wants to start their own business, but I would not suggest it as a requirement. Um, I did mine on my nights and weekends, um, and it was part of an accelerated program. So I spent like all Saturdays 
just from morning till evening doing my uh, MBA studies in the classroom and all of my evenings and I worked during the day. So um, it was a really accelerated course, it took about 14 months to complete. Wow. Uh, I, as I said, I don't think it's required, but I think the foundational principles of business, those things traditionally do not change. And so they're really valuable to know and understand. I think it's just as valuable if you get that experience underneath someone. Um, so I did like five internships between undergrad and grad school, and I'm so thankful that I did those. A number of them were working in small to mid-sized companies where I knew the business owner and I was able to learn about them and, and why they started and what the hardships had been and things that I could look out for to avoid when I started my own business. And so I think learning under other entrepreneurs is completely invaluable. And sometimes it's even better than the education that you get in the classroom. But yeah. if you decide to go for your MBA, I would suggest if you have the ability, there's pros and cons to both, but wait, go out into the real world, get some experience. So that way, when you go for your MBA, you've got a lot of great application that you can bring into the richness of the education that you're getting from your textbooks. Um, I went straight from undergrad to grad school because I was worried I would get too comfortable with a different lifestyle or standard of living by making a, you know, a considerable paycheck with my first job that I said, I, I want to go straight in all the way through my education. And so I'm glad I did it for those reasons, but I also feel like I could have had even more enrichment in the classroom had I had more experience. Externally. Right. Yeah. I think you don't know until you get there and you can reflect back on those experiences. So you were taking these internships while you were in school and you were also working at the same time. Correct. I did majority of my internships through undergrad, but I did a couple in grad school just to help paid make my way through school. Um, so paid internships are amazing if you can go for those first, but I would say even getting the unpaid ones if you're a student. And even if you're not a student, you're just out in the real world and you really want to learn about entrepreneurship, I would say it's still worth whether you call it an internship or you just call it like volunteerism. I mean, just <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can, if you can just job shadow somebody for a day, if you can just volunteer your time under an entrepreneur, all of it's worthwhile education. Yeah, definitely. So when you were um, working in these internships and going to school, did you know what next steps you wanted to take? when you were closing out your MBA program and you had all these different experiences with these internships and you're working and learning and absorbing, what was your next step? Yeah, I think um, you decide where you want to go ultimately and then you start kind of reverse engineering from there. I knew I wanted to start my own branding firm and creative agency one day. So um, taking a few steps back, I wanted to learn under the best of the best. So I studied under um, some of the premier agencies from New York City down to Central Virginia. And then I helped uh, one of my firms expand into the Southeast region when I moved to Orlando. Um, there were a lot of uh, discussions around starting an office around me, starting a, a team around me for this agency. Um, so it would be like me running my own mini agency, but here in Orlando, separate from the, the firm that was in Virginia. When a lot of those things didn't start panning out, I realized I've got to just count on myself and this would be beginning my firm a little earlier than I had expected at the age of 26, but that wow. it was a while. So I took the deep dive and within a week, it got to be too much work. I had to bring in my husband to work on his nights and weekends, and it got to be too much for his nights and weekends. So I brought him on full time with me within uh, just a few short weeks. And within a couple months, we had our first office, we had our first team member, and we were both working full time and had left our corporate jobs. Okay, back up. So we, 
you were working and for another firm and they wanted to invest their time in building an office around you. What were you doing in this other firm? What was your role? How did that look like? And how, you know, what was your job essentially? Absolutely. I think, um, so essentially my job was sales and then I would take care of the accounts that I brought in. Um, one of the biggest and most valuable skills I think anybody can learn is sales because it's transferable no matter what industry, no matter what season of life you're going through, there's always a need and a place for a sales position. You just, there's only a certain level of automation you can do with sales. You need the human interaction. So I definitely recommend sales to anybody, whether, especially if you're interested in becoming a business owner, um, to pursue that as a skill that you grow. Um, and then account management, purely in the sense of when you take on that sale, now how do you take care of that client? And again, it's a transferable skill across any industry, and it's really important for a business owner to understand and, and master both of those skills in order to grow and scale their company. At the end of the day, no matter how good you are at your craft, if you're an engineer or if you're a consultant, you are still only as good as the sales that you're bringing in and the way that you take care of those clients. So that's what I was doing for that company. And it's still essentially what I'm doing today, even for mine. When you decided, okay, this isn't moving in the way that I, you know, or you are observing, this isn't moving in the way that I had expected. And you decided to branch out on your own. Did you work from home initially? Like when did you give your resignation? How did that work? I gave my uh, resignation as I was starting my firm, um, in retrospect, I would have loved to believe that my relationships with my boss would have been strong enough that I could have told him with even more advanced notice to support him and his uh, internal efforts um, and for him to come alongside me and support me in my new efforts. Since I was going to be starting my own firm, which had always been my dream, I thought because it was in the same industry that it would be difficult for me to maintain my existing position. So I, I made the switch, you know, when I was ready to stand up my own firm. Um, and I started that full speed ahead within, I worked from home for the first maybe month or so, but as quickly as I could, we built out an office because we knew we needed a place to meet people. We knew we wanted to scale a team up. And so while you can do it remotely and we're all experiencing that right now, that for better or for worse, it works through COVID. Yeah. Um, we are, I see the value in being able to collaborate. I'm looking out at my team right now and they're literally all gathered together with sticky notes, throwing things on the wall, brainstorming together and actually like pulling together an entire campaign strategy for our client right now. So I think yeah. that that's valuable, but it definitely started with going, working from home first, but getting to an office as quickly as we could. How did you fund all of this? We bootstrapped it. We saved up for years knowing that we were going to start this business. Um, we started another company on our nights and weekends while we both had our corporate jobs just to make sure that we wouldn't A, kill each other and that B, we knew how to start and, and grow a business successfully without testing it all on our agency, which we knew was the <laughs> one we wanted to succeed. Uh, so we opened a, a bakery business out of a commissary kitchen in Orlando on our nights and weekends. And we sold it at farmer's markets and online and to wow. corporations. And um, it was never anything that we had intended to see become large. It was really, we ran it for a year. We saw that it was successful, turned a profit. We branded it, created the website, did all the things that we were going to be doing for our own clients and just test ran a lot of stuff together so that when we launched this, it would be that's brilliant. I love that idea that, especially because if you're working with a partner, like a spouse or a friend or, you know, anyone having that kind of test model before jumping into something bigger 
that's such a great idea. And like you said, it prevented you from any frustration or acknowledging frustration and learning how to work through that. So when you did that, when you had this test company and then you kind of like copied and pasted and and you were moving into starting your own business venture and brought on your husband full time, what were some of the challenges that came up for you when you were first starting? Oh, there were so many. (laughs) Every day, every minute was a new challenge, a new struggle that you'd never faced before. Um, We decided to forgo profits uh, and actually giving ourselves any commission or salary for the first couple years. And we did that so we could reinvest anything that we brought in uh, into scaling the company and building our team out. So that brought with it its own set of challenges, going from having two corporate jobs to forgoing all pay uh, for a couple years and being sustained on your on your savings, um, as well as scaling a company up within that time as well. Building out all of our own branding and our own marketing and website and getting the word out to my uh, network of people that I built over the years that comes with its own set of challenges, but also I feel like for every challenge there's an opportunity. So I try to spend more time recognizing, dwelling on, and building up and around the opportunities that you can see. Um, so finding the best talent that we could find because that was going to make or break our business. That was a big challenge and opportunity. Finding salespeople early on, it's really tough just to find people who can sell and who can do business development and who can build relationships over a long period of time and be able to ramp up with you, even though you're figuring things out and just starting, they're figuring things out and just starting, and it takes a long time for for relationships to build. So having that patience, having that infrastructure, creating processes where we never had any. Um, So if I could kind of summarize it all, it's the people the product and the process. And that's the case with any business. And that was the case with our startup challenges. We're finding the best people, building out the best product and the best processes around that product. Um, and then ultimately letting that lead us to the profits that we needed to sustain yeah. the business moving forward. When you were first building out your team, what did that look like? And how did you learn how to manage your team? We built a team as quickly as we could. We started with um, a designer and he was a Renaissance man. He could design everything from brands to websites and everything in between. And we were really fortunate to have met him. He was right out of school. He had the most um, outstanding portfolio that we had ever seen. And um, we went to his portfolio review right before he was graduating and just more or less said like, let's make this happen. So we actually saw our first employee out and brought him in and recruited him. And um, it was a really great win. He was with us for six years. And so we've been really blessed that he's He'd been with us since the very beginning till, um, till very recently. And so we've been fortunate that after him, we brought in a designer and then uh, a writer and then a web developer and a salesperson and an account person. And so it kind of started to snowball after that until we got a, a large enough crew that we could sustain any size project that we needed to. Um, and then it allowed us to grow and continue to scale from there to build out more infrastructure around specialties and, and niche capabilities that we wanted to offer. An animator, a 3D designer, um, a UI UX designer, a web developer who specialized in front end or in back end. So we got to really just start honing in special people who were videographers and just had different unique skill sets that could help to frame our team out. So now we're at 20 team members and counting and um, we've been really blessed to find a lot of great, creative, talented people who all have diverse skills. Yeah. 
as the co-founder and partnership director, and I, I am assuming you're managing a lot, how has, have there been challenges with understanding how to manage people? And what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Because it's very different when you're managing your own company and your own team versus a larger team for, for a company that's not yours, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. You're trying to manage your own team. You're trying to help manage your client and their team. Um, when you're going through things like a rebrand, it's really personal or a new website, or you're going through new marketing campaigns and strategies. It takes everybody's buy-in from the top down. And it's the same thing as it is here on the big vision side. And for all the women who are listening, who are female entrepreneurs looking to grow and scale their companies or just grow and scale the businesses where they're working at the end of the day, it's all about the people. They're your biggest and most valuable asset. And as women, and I think we struggle because we want to try to do it all ourselves. You want to throw it on your back. You want to, you don't want to delegate or hand it off to anybody because you know, you'll do it best. You know, it'll get the right care and the right effort and execution if you touch it. And I think that sometimes to our downfall and our demise, we are highly collaborative, um, yet we rely so heavily on ourselves and we put so much weight on ourselves. But I think it's the strength is in learning how we can manage our time best, learning how we can manage our team best in order to maximize our time and theirs, and maximizing on the strengths of the people that that you bring about. If you've heard the metaphor from good to great about bringing the right people onto the bus and putting them in the right seats on the bus, that is such a great metaphor for what it feels like you're doing every day. A bad hire can cause pain and trouble for months, if not years to come, and it's so hard to let people go. A good hire can reward you handsomely 10 times over if you bring in the right people. We always measure by effort and attitude, or some people call it heart and hustle. Um, and so those are the two ingredients that we look for when we try to match somebody with our team. Mm -hmm. We also try to look for people who, you know, we can stand on their shoulders to make the agency greater. So there's this metaphor of a Russian doll. If you've ever seen these Russian nesting dolls, there are some entrepreneurs and business owners who try to hire people who are smaller than them so they can continue to feel like they are larger and that they are at the top and they've got a lot of people who fall underneath them. Joe and I try to hire people who are larger than us, people who have done more than us, people who have seen and experienced and and can achieve more than us. And we, we don't get scared by that. We don't get intimidated by that. We say rock on, like mm. keep doing it. So we hired a new marketing director and we said, this is your PL. You are here to manage this line of the business and here to grow this line of the business. Let us know what you need from us. We're here to support you, but you've done this before. That's why we've hired you. Now go rock right. out because it's not something that we've done before. It's something you have. And so we're investing in you to see you succeed and we'll give you everything you need to make that happen. Um, yeah. So that's not easy for a business owner to do, but that's what I think it takes to start scaling. Yeah. So speaking of those strengths and recognizing that and embracing that in people, what are your strengths that you embrace in your business and, and how you lead your business? What do you do that puts you at the top of your game and where other people can say, go do it. That's great. That's a great question. I think that's such a good question for us to all ask ourselves and be really honest with each other about. Um, so I love that you asked that because again, I think as women, we struggle to honor that in ourselves. We don't spend time thinking about our strengths. We spend a lot more time thinking about where we fall short, our weaknesses. And I can point out, and I'm sure many people <laughs> who are listening can probably put those out in a much more extensive list. Um, but I think it's valuable for us to think about where we strive so we can continue to play in that area. It's like, if you've heard the metaphor of writing with your left hand or writing with your right hand, uh, if you're right-handed, then perfect what you can do with your right hand. Don't spend time trying to also learn 
how to write with your left hand. You're never going to be as proficient at that. So focus on your strengths. Um, for me, it's been people skills. I loved, I love to connect with people. I love to find new relationships. I love to bring value to those relationships and connect other people with each other. I love when they connect me with new people that I otherwise wouldn't have met and all of it with the goal of serving. Um, one of the mottos that I learned in college that I live by, uh, in my, it's like my personal mantra is to be a leader in service to others. And so I, I feel like that's what spurs the desire and the strength in just being a connector and a communicator. Because at the end of the day, that's how I know who you are, what matters to you, where you're trying to go and what it's gonna take to get there. And once I learn what that missing gap is, that's the part that I am fueled to want to fill. I want to fill it with what our team can do for you. I want to fill it with what I know other folks who can specialize in what you need can fill. And that's where I see the biggest opportunity to drive just value that people gravitate towards that. People, they want to continue to build that relationship with you because they know that you've always got their back and that you're looking out for their best interests that far exceeds a transaction with me tomorrow and my company. It far exceeds me trying to just get a little bit of profit out of you. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about people right. first. It's about the purpose of serving each other. I think that's beautiful. And thank you for reflecting on that in yourself and knowing that that's your strength. And I think that also speaks to the integrity of your business and the intention of your business. You want to serve others and help others. I want to talk about what you do in your business and, and how you serve others. So Big Vision is creating this these brands and, and really having other people's visions come to life. So how do you do that? And what do your clients, we, we read at the top of the show, um, what your clients look like, but who comes to you and, and why do they come to you and how do you work with them? Great question. It ties into where the big vision name came from. Actually, a lot of our clients said, when we met you, we had a vision for where we wanted to take our company, but then you guys pushed us. You pushed us so much further than we were expecting to go knew how to go, were willing to go, and you just helped us to see that there was so much more opportunity that we hadn't tapped into. And you gave us a bigger vision for ourselves. And then you helped us to reach that vision. You helped to execute on that. So you didn't just come in and help to set a, a larger strategy than what we had perceived that we could achieve on our own, but then you actually helped us to see what it would take and then you got us there. You actually moved us along the way um, so we could launch that new product, so we could go to market with a really quality website and a quality brand experience and we had all the sales tools that we needed to rock out. We've had clients that have said like, you've helped us to recruit the best talent that we could possibly find in the market. You've helped us to get in front of the right people, the right prospects that we want to talk to. Um, you've helped us to create a reputation that exceeds what our competitors are doing right now in the market. We stand out. We are differentiated finally. We have a lot of folks who have just come to tears in our in our presentations to them because they're like, somebody finally gets me. All the hard work that I've put into my company, everything that I've been building all these years, you've finally been able to articulate that. You've been able to display that and share that in a way that I can then share with other people. And I just could never have done that for myself because I was too close to it. And yeah. so that's the part that we get excited about. That's what we live and, and drive every day for. It's to help companies to achieve more than they could have done on their own because we partner beside them. And it's to help them be able to reach a bigger purpose and a bigger vision than what they had originally set out for themselves. And it's to help them finally feel like not only are they understood, but now they can communicate that understanding of who they are, what they do, and who they're serving to the people that they can best take care of and then drive a long-term relationship between them and their clients. Mm -hmm. So 
all ships rise. I love that. And it really does go back to how can I be in service to others and how can I help others grow? Um, and you knowing that is your, you know, true north. Uh, and that is where your company is going. So when you are working with a business and you are first approaching them, what does that usually look like? I know you mentioned your, you got your first client within a month, I think you said of starting your business. What was that process like? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I let everybody know um, that who I was working with at the time at my current agency that, you know, here's their new point of contact. And I just said, I really hope that we can stay in touch. Um, and I've enjoyed working with you. And a lot of them reached out to me and just said, I go where you go, you know, mm. I'm working with this agency because of you and I will follow you anywhere. And I said, you understand wow. I'm starting from scratch. Like this firm is already built and established and can serve you today. Like I'm starting from scratch and the, the person who's going to be writing for you right now is going to be me. The person who's going to be designing and, and coding your site for you right now is going to be my husband. And we've been, you know, we're starting this from the ground up, building our, our team and our foundation. And they said, we don't care. We're all in. We're here to support you. And so that meant a lot to me. And within the first uh, week or two, we got a deal signed and inked for a project that I was thrilled to do. Um, I still reference the project often. They still live. They still use it every day. And that was six plus years ago. Uh -huh. uh, so from that, we just started building on the successes. So when you do one thing well, people talk and then they share it with somebody else. So um, we've done a lot of work in building great relationships and a lot of our businesses come through referrals of existing clients that have just shouted us from the rooftop to others. Two things that are coming up for me. I really want to know how you organize your time. That's the first one. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could say I have that mastered and I wish I could say I am the guru that can give you all the answers there. I literally feel like I'm reinventing it every 30, 60, 90 days as to how I'm managing my time. I, I love think, that though. It's honest. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing to keep trying new things and keep iterating and keep improving. The only thing that really matters is that you're improving. Our team always has this 1% uh, better challenge every week where we just all identify what's one thing that we can get 1% better at. So for me this week, it would probably be time management. I'm literally working on where can I best spend my time to get the results that I need? And so we talked about earlier that it's business is a numbers game. So I literally started last week and over the weekend with what are the numbers that I want to bring in? Okay, now what is it going to take to do that? And so I started reverse engineering. How many meetings will I need to have? How many people should I meet? How many referrals do I need to have coming in in order to get to the number of new clients that I want to bring in to serve them? It's all a numbers game. So now how do I create my schedule? to help me meet those goals, right. help me meet those metrics. So I'd say setting up some key performance indicators for yourself and then aligning your schedule to meet those priorities. Um, one of the things, uh, if anybody's heard of the Einstein matrix that I've been really incorporating recently has been, um, what are the things that I need to do right now that are most urgent that are gonna get me the highest impact and of revenue and the highest impact for, you know, just overall brand lift and reputation lift for my business. What are the things that I need to do, but they're not as urgent. I can get them done later. What are the things that I can delegate? Um, and then ultimately, what are the things that I can eliminate? Things that I should just avoid that I should not be thinking about focusing on. I understand it's a to do, but it's not something that's uh, a priority on my list. And using that, that's helping me from a time management perspective to start organizing my to-dos that not all are created equal. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and that you have to really I love that priorities to what's going to get you and yield you the results that you're looking for. Yes. Not all to do's are created equal. Like, amen. That needs to be plastered <laughs> everywhere because you were talking about earlier, which I, I just wanted to be like, yes, <laughs> like women, we want to do everything and we, we want to do things right. But Again, not all to-dos are created equal. And I love that you just shared that nugget with our listeners on how to break up your time and how to prioritize. So thank you so much for that. Being busy is not the same as progress. And that was something I also had to learn as well is just because we as women just want to get it done, it doesn't mean that we're actually moving in the right direction. And we have to make sure that for everything that we're doing, that we're really progressing and seeing um, some change moving forward. I kind of think like a duck on the top of the water. And the duck looks really peaceful and serene above the water, but it's like moving a million miles an hour underneath the water. And you can see some that are just swimming around in circles and you see others that have a very specific shoreline or goal that they're trying to get to. Um, I want to be the one that's pointing in one direction and ideally in the right direction. And I'm putting all of my effort mm-hmm. underneath the water into that. Even though above water, I'm looking very calm, very at peace <laughs> and very organized. Um, I Yes. And you've got a bunch of little baby ducklings behind you, like very much in a row following you. <laughs> Watch. You've got your team members who are going to be watching you. You've got the community. If you're you know, a community leader that they're watching you. And so you've got to always be ready that you're setting an example for others. Yeah. Thank you for that. The second thing I'm really curious about, because I would love to be a fly on the wall during this, is how, how do you pitch to clients and what is your process for crafting a pitch? Mm, great question. That one is always evolving as well. Uh, we never rest. And even once we have a pitch uh, that we've created, we're already starting to like nitpick and drill into it. And, and we keep tweaking and revising it. Honestly, at the end of the day, a really good pitch is the one where you're not the one talking. It's their talking. It's the one where you've listened You've shared with them what the options are that are the best fit for their business. And then you allow them the ability to choose based on what they know is going to be the highest, the highest value and, and what's going to get them uh, the highest return. And then you're there to support them through it. And you make the expectations really clear for what it's going to take for us to be successful partners together. And you make the next steps really easy for them. And so at the end of the day, I think a really good pitch is listening first, you know, responding second with options that would work best for them and giving them the decision that they can make to move forward in what's going to truly be in the best interest of their company and their stakeholders, and then helping them to understand that I've got your back from this point on, whatever you choose to just to move forward with, I'll take care of you and I'll take the best care of you. And I've got a whole team of people that are dying to meet you and work with you as well. And we will make sure that this is a great success. And this is what it'll take for us to do that. And laying out some clear expectations of how we've seen the best and most successful partnerships working. Um, And then getting to work. Like there's no time to waste. Let's dive right in Mm -hmm. with things that'll help to get, uh, get the results as soon as possible. Thank you for that. How are you continuously improving upon yourself? Do you take any courses? Do you have any mantras or, you know, do you have anything that, I mean, you're managing a team, number one. So you're always learning and you're working with lots of clients, number two. So you're probably always learning from your clients, but do you do things um, intentionally to keep evolving and learning and refining your, uh, your best qualities? 
constantly. Um, one of the latest that I've enjoyed is executive book summaries. So if you do Blinkist or anything like that, it's a great opportunity to stay up to date on a lot of great business books that exist out there that teach you some great uh, strategies and especially the, the more timeless ones, not the really trendy ones. And you can find there's a million out there and I can recommend a few, but there's just so much goodness to read out there and you don't always have time to read it from cover to cover, but you can read the Cliff Notes version and get the gist of it enough to be dangerous and apply it the next day. Um, we host a lot of uh, meetups for copywriters or for uh, web developers and uh, we host them in our space, um, or at least pre-COVID we did. And <laughs> one of the things that was always our mantra was learn it today and use it tomorrow um, because you just don't want the things that you learn to just be head knowledge. It's gotta be applied in order to get the richness from it in order to actually see the the results that can come from it. So my biggest challenge is, yes, please learn. Don't stop learning, but please apply it. Uh, right. and don't stop applying it. Um, I think there's a lot of value that can come from peer groups um, in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like. If you're a CEO and a business owner, joining in with other business owners, I have a group of women entrepreneurs we meet on a regular basis, um, and we just talk through what's going on in our companies, how can we support each other, what do we need in order to help ourselves grow to the next level. Um, and I do that with a few others, from referral partners to other business owners. Um, so I think being able to learn alongside other people, being able to learn from really great books and education, um, and then staying up to date on what's going on, um, not just in the world, but in your industry and being top, having everything top of mind for you whenever it comes to what's trending, what's not, what are you seeing working? Um, that's where people will keep coming back for you because they know that you're staying up to date. Yeah. I love that you tapped into allyship because I think that we talk, we talk about allyship every single episode on this show and specifically female allyship. And you spoke of your um, networking group that is, you know, women business owners. Um, how has that been of importance to you in evolving your business and evolving yourself when you have female allies, such uh, as the ones you mentioned? The women that I've met in this community have molded and shaped my my views on so many things, they have become my lady tribe in so many ways. And I have leaned so heavily into the women in this community in Central Florida. Being part of like a women's philanthropy group is an option. I'm part of Heart of Florida United Way's Women United, where it's hundreds of us that come together in order to support causes that are important in our community. Having other women entrepreneurs that you can collaborate with. Being part of women's leadership development programs. One that I'm part of is called Athena. It's Athena International. Um, have all been just so fruitful and they continue to bear fruits just time in time out because nobody gets where they are alone it always takes somebody who helps you to get where you are today and who's going to help you get where you want to be tomorrow i know that my business was not built only on my back it was built on the back of so many people who said hey at least i know somebody who needs what you do right um, and I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon for any of us. So whether you're looking for your next job opportunity, whether you're looking to start your own business, whether you already have your business and you're trying to scale it, it's going to take other people to help you get there. Um, so the sooner that you can start feeding into each other, figuring out what's of value to them and what's of value to you, and you guys are exchanging that value on a regular basis, um, and you're showing true appreciation and you're walking alongside each other in life to do that, um, that's where you can start seeing like just tremendous growth opportunity. Yeah. Um, so. And that's what I would strongly recommend. You've got to find your lady tribe and you've got to meet with them regularly and you've got to make the asks. You, it's hard for women to make asks and you've got to ask what you need and in return offer what you can do for them. So with every female relationship I have, I'm always challenging people to ask and give, ask and give. What can I do for you 
And here's what would be really valuable to me if you can help me out. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we all grew. Yeah. And it's such a great muscle to flex, just mm-hmm. making that ask uh, and, and seeing what happens. Cause sometimes you have no idea where it will lead you and you have no idea, you know, the domino effect that one ask will have, because when you're asking and you're showing up and meeting that with action, I mean, that is just life changing. And I know I've learned that. It sounds like you have too. So true. Yeah. I feel like I could talk to you for like three hours about your journey and your business, but I have two questions before we wrap up. Our hour just like flew by so quickly. Um, The first one is how do you keep showing up through fear? Because I imagine that going to these new groups, you move to a new place, you're starting a new business. There's a lot of new and that can be very fearful. How do you push through that fear? That's a great question and something that I've gotten through. So I can tell you from the other side, I can vividly remember what it was like having started out and having moved to Orlando and not knowing a single soul and having to go out to networking events and figure out how do I even start to build my network here? And why would anybody care? And nobody knows me. I have nothing to anchor on. I have nothing to build from. It's just a complete blank slate. So that is terrifying. Now I look back, I'm like, there was so much opportunity. I feel like Now I go into a room and I had to teach myself then, which made all the difference is that when I walk into a room, it's not a room of strangers. It's a room of friends I just haven't yet met. Mm -hmm. And I literally walk up to every single person and feel that way, that they have a whole world of insight and knowledge and experience and, and love and just compassion that they're so ready to just pour between the two of you. And you have that same, just so much value that you can bring to them as well. And it's just, you haven't met yet. So when I walk up to somebody now, I have a big smile on my face and I go and shake their hand because I'd really rather just be hugging them because it's like I'm seeing a long lost friend, even though we just haven't uncovered enough about each other yet to know (laughs) that we're going to be lifelong friends. So that's, that's what's helped me a lot. Walking into a room and I remember the very first time I was in a networking event and I told myself, make it a, a game, tell yourself you have to meet three people before you leave challenge yourself. And especially even if you have somebody who can be your accountability partner, your spouse, a partner, anybody, and just say like, don't let me walk back into this door until I come back with three business cards of people that I've met. And I literally realized I was at the end of the program and I still hadn't met anybody. And everybody was starting to walk out the door and I was like, what do I do? So I literally just turned around and I stuck my hand out to the first person that I saw, another female. And I just said, hi, I'm Elise. I didn't want to leave without introducing myself. And she was, it made her day that somebody also had the same desire as her to meet and nobody was, nobody was able to interact with each other because it was a program where you were just watching and listening. And we just stood there, got to know each other. And now we've become friends. We're seven, eight years down the line and we've been partners, clients, friends, referral partners, everything. And then when we started going to more events around town, I'd see her and I'd start asking her, hey, can you introduce me to some of the friends you know here? She's like, of course, I'd love that. So find the person who's the promoter or the organizer of the event, connect with them, let them know you're new. Say, I just want to meet new people. I'm considering joining this this group and they will gladly connect you because A, they want you to join the group and B, they don't want anybody to leave without feeling like they're connected with other people. Right. Vulnerability is a strength, you know, coming in and being vulnerable and saying, Hey, I want to meet you and shake your hand. That's a strength. So my final question is, do you have any advice for young women who like you wanted to start their own business and they have a big vision and they want to execute it? Do you have any advice on 
for, for them on the first step that they can take? Make sure if you're going to start your own business that it's not only rooted in something that you're personally passionate about. Make sure that it's rooted in what the market demands and needs. Because at the end of the day, you could be an incredibly passionate painter, writer, but if the things that you're painting, writing, or consulting on, or engineering are not what the market needs, then you're not going to be able to sustain your business. So start first with listening to where the needs and the gaps are in our communities, and then identify what strengths you have that you can serve others to bring them value. And then you'll never be out of a job. But if you start first with just what am I passionate about and what do I love, not that there's anything wrong with that, then you just, you're setting out to serve yourself. And that's right. not what this is about. Um, so that's my biggest challenge and recommendation is to learn under others so you can really get a lot of the kinks out, worked out before you start your own business. You can only start your business once and everything that you do, it makes or breaks your entire reputation. You carry it with you. Not that you can't improve on mistakes that you make early on, but you can't take them back. Um, so the mistakes are good and they're valuable, but I sometimes think it's better to learn and make those mistakes um, while doing it in a a similar business where you can just learn under somebody else. And then I would say the last one is just get really good at building great relationships, long lasting, sustainable relationships, and don't lose track of any one of those relationships. Relationships are the currency, even more than money. It's who you know, and it's about maintaining that. So if you're connecting with people, connect with them on LinkedIn, connect with them on Instagram and Facebook, get to know them outside and inside of professional relationship that you're also trying to build with them and come alongside each other. Let them know, like, here's what I'm setting out to do. Tell me about what you're setting out to do. And now let's agree that we're going to support each other and both of us reaching our goals. Lovely. Thank you so much. I am, I just think you've given us so much beautiful information and thank you for being so open about your journey and um, so open about your experience and business and where can people find you in Big Vision? Absolutely. So if you go to big.vision, there's no.com. So it's just big.vision. Uh, you'll be able to find us. Um, Elise, A-L-Y-S-E at big.vision is my email address. And I would definitely recommend connecting with me on LinkedIn. That is the best way to find me, reach me. And that's where I live. Uh, feel, feel free to find me on Instagram and Facebook and anywhere else as well. Um, but I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how I can support you. Um, and I think it's definitely worth all of us uh, continuing to do whatever it takes to help each of us succeed in, in our respective areas. So thank you very much for bringing me into your big vision that you have for this podcast and for helping so many great women. Uh, you've done an amazing job. Your questions were phenomenal. So I wish you so much success with this. Thank you so much, Elise. You're so kind. And it was really so wonderful connecting with you on a deeper level in this way. And I just so appreciate you being here. And for those listening, go seek out Elise and um, big vision. And you know, you have a lot of wisdom on starting your own vision right now. So um, do it. Do not wait. But thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Your story matters. You matter. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode of the Growing Woman Podcast.